Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Soft Spoken, a podcast by yours truly, Marfine Chan. It is March 12th, 2023, Sunday, of course, and it's been a while since we've last checked in, since I've last posted an episode, and you know, I've done one of those things again where, you know, I, I just got so busy again. And granted, I was digging out of the holidays, and many of you uh, have similar experiences where after the holidays, you come back from um, a break, come back from some much-needed rest, and you you open up your email inboxes, and both there are sort of a flood of emails that everyone had, had crammed to get out. And, and in your inbox before the holidays. And then there are the emails that you get from um, folks who uh, are getting back into work and want to pick up where they left off. And so you have both emails that you had, had promised to get back to prior to the holidays, but then you also get a deluge of emails from everyone, including myself, who are shooting off emails um, because we are trying to to get back up to speed and and you know start start getting some work done. And in the midst of all of that, you know, there was a big event that I was planning through my work uh, at my day job. And for the middle of January, and that was taking up a lot of time and a lot of energy. It was a great event, and it went reasonably well, despite there being snow and the travel conditions weren't great, but people still showed up, and people wanted to be together, and it was a group, it was an event for um, community leaders from communities of color, from indigenous, black, brown, Hispanic and Latinx and, and different communities. And the takeaway we got from that was that, you know, people are post-pandemic, post-holidays, people are just want to see each other and get back to work and get to working on some of the things that are, are changing systems and, and focusing on equity and, and those types of things. So if you know a little bit about my work, then... Um, you know, you can uh, look that up later, but uh, it, it ended up just being a very busy month of the month of January. And, you know, I sat down at the end of January with a Google Doc, just typing away, trying to plan out some of the episodes for the rest of this podcast. And, you know, February, I had two episodes planned, one for love. Uh, for the Sunday ahead of Valentine's Day. Um, and then one later on for the end of February focused on loss. And for me, you know, whether I learned this from some obscure philosopher or some obscure writer or artist or something, but like, you know, you sometimes to know, to get to know something, you, you get to know its opposite. And for me, um, that was really resonating in, in me at that time. And so I was thinking, you know, maybe if I'm doing a biweekly podcast, uh, 
you know, every month. Maybe one week I'll have certain theme and then the next episode have it be its opposite. And so I had love for the episode for the week of Valentine's Day and then I had loss for the following two weeks. And that was the plan that I had set out to, 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 to do to work on. But as many of you know, you know, coming back from the holidays, you get so wrapped up in work, catching up and, and, and getting back in the groove. And in my case, I got back, uh, so back into the groove that I actually think I got a little too busy and I did one of those things, those classic things that I do is, you know, where I, 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 spent the holiday sort of clearing my plate, clearing my mind, clearing my, um, uh, my list of things to do. And for me, it's hard to resist a blank canvas or an empty plate, um, an em empty table set or, or something that just screams to, to me to be filled, to be, um, piled on to, uh, uh, you know, you, you know what I'm getting at. And, and for me, it was, you know, this blank slate that I had intentionally created during the holidays, during the break that we all got, instead of thinking about, okay, how can I reset and balance priorities and be a little bit more sustainable in terms of my energy and my workflow and my project management. And instead I probably do what a lot of Americans do is I just immediately just start piling stuff back onto there. And, and that's what I did. And as a result, I dropped the ball on this podcast, which I know some of you have really gotten into and have commented about and so I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I need to get back into the groove of posting episodes. It might not be as consistent as I imagined it. You know, there might be one month where I just have one episode or another month where I have two episodes, which is the goal. But I think all of you know me by enough by now that you, you'll sort of understand, you know, if, if it's just one episode this month then, you know, he's off doing that busy thing again. And so I, I'm saying all of this and, um, I just, uh, kicked off my, what I call my book tour part two or part two. And I just gave a book talk at Southern Maine Community College where, you know, it was about an hour and a half and, and I went over about 10 minutes because you know, Q&A time is always a great time and, and is probably one of my favorite times. And in that talk, you know, I, I talked about how my book and my story and really my, my ethos that I operate out, out of now is that, you know, life is change. And we, we've got to allow ourselves room to change with it. You know, we desire consistency. We desire 
stability, we desire staticness, but we don't desire change and volatility because with that comes risk. With that comes uncertainty. With that comes danger and fear and anxiety and transition, which, you know, throughout human history, humans have tried to mitigate and, and tried to control. But the more I thought about it, you know, as I was giving this talk, I was sort of having this internal conversation with myself. And I was talking about how, you know, we, we got to let, we got to allow ourselves room to change. And I referenced this Instagram posting about how it says that we need to normalize people being able to change their mind when they're presented with new information. And I was talking about this in the con context of the lack of dialogue, I guess, that we have um, on a national scale where, you know, where rather than talking with each other, discussing with each other, debating with each other, instead we're getting sh into shouting matches with the, each other and we're building walls and we're planting our flags and saying, I won't budge. You need to budge. You need to move to my turf and follow me, follow my lead. And for me, I think that's a toxic type of politics type of dialogue that we, we're having currently. And, and for me, I was really honing in on that, that idea that, you know, we can talk to each other without, without giving up on our values, without, you know, risking a total worldview change because any change happens over time and little by little. And I think that's what most people are afraid of is that if they open themselves up a little bit to a little bit of conversation and authentic dialogue and discussion, I think that's what we all fear is that every little conversation we have with someone who might slightly disagree with us or might have an opposite view that over time they'll end up changing our views, changing our values. But doesn't that make us human? The ability to adapt to, to get uh, sensors and, and to get new information to process that information, to, to, to think it through, to stew on it, and then to make something new out of it. To, to create or to augment or to supplement our current worldview, our values, and our belief system. You know, I, I just think that's naturally how humans have evolved and have developed. But instead, I think we're locked in we're we're, we're at the at danger of locking ourselves in this moment in time where we're expecting that people shouldn't change people should stick to their ideals and their values and their ideology specifically ideology and their politics and that we should 
stay at our 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 places and and where we've staked our ground and and where we've dug our trenches and we've dug in and you know expect the people on the other side to surrender you know i think that was the other thing i talked about was you know how we news how the way we operate today in the political landscape and in, in social landscape is from a war mentality you know we want absolute and total victory over the enemy over the other side and we want unconditional surrender and i made this reference to world war 1 where the war reparations and concessions that were demanded of germany after world war 1 were so great that it it thrust germany into a period of hyperinflation and and that economic uh depression which was also felt worldwide led to one of the darkest periods in history and obviously i want to be careful you know, how have our political and social discussions been so impacted by the state of war and wars that we have been in for so long where we phrase things in violent terms victory um and not only victory but now i think i i think from from both sides what we hear is i don't just want to win i want the other side to lose and i just don't want the other side to lose i want the other side to feel pain and to hurt and to suffer as much as i have i think that is where naturally this leads is couching it and and putting the language we have in in terms of of sort of violence and and victory and and putting it in war terms as if we're fighting a war against something and i've been guilty of this as well because you know some of you who may know me i during college and law school I, on the side i worked as a social media and sort of communications person for small local campaigns up until about 2018 2019 when i graduated from from law school and you know from the the comms perspective i think we 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 use tactics and we use messaging and and strategies that couch and 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 frame everything in terms of victory and defeat and loss and wins and and also within that you know we dumb down the message to americans because we we believe and and some people point to research uh, you know that the average person can't make sense of nuance or complexity and 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 you know their attention spans aren't great and so we must fit our message and our top line messages and our headline mess- messages uh within 
a certain period of time so that they can uh so that message can be planted in them and and they could then change their voting patterns and their political choices and whatnot and now that we have social media that's increasingly limiting content to and 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 algorithms are prioritizing content that is you know 15 seconds 10 seconds 20 seconds 30 seconds I think that just reinforces this idea that, you know, we can't and we shouldn't uh, be forced to go deeper into subjects and topics and issues. And so I think topics like race and equality and equity and justice all get pulled into this whole frame of communicating in america whether that's in the political or social fields and in sectors and in the business sector as well where everything's got to be signed by soundbite everything's got to be uh that has to fit within 15 or 30 seconds or a 60 second ad and it does grave injustice to developing issues and how we talk about them you know about immigration about social security about medicare about health care about you know silicon valley bank and 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 the repeal of of regulations during the trump administration in 2018 and and LGBTQ issues and 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 so everything becomes encapsulated in easy to swallow pills like quote unquote woke culture. Um, those on the left have we have a totally different view of it, but uh, those on the right also have a totally different view of it. I think and 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 pull many. Th- things in, under that rug but it, it, it again shows you how we all gravitate towards these easy things and and sound bites and simple phrases and catchphrases which i think is a un, not a necessarily uniquely american thing but i think it, american americans i think are are pragmatic you know, in terms of uh, their the language, in terms of culture, in terms of you know things that what is useful and and what what can can quickest way to to get ahead or or type type of thing, and I think that does some damage to our development on issues, especially around equality and equity and justice, because we think we tend to think in terms of the end goal of the destination and we don't think about sorry for being cliche but we don't think about the journey we don't think about the means and the most just means to achieve certain ends and instead we put the cart before the horse and we want to get to some place as fast as possible by whatever means possible and and i think that 
seeps into our political and social psyche in that there's little patience for nuance, there's little patience for deep analysis and thinking and digging and of course little patience for understanding and listening to to why other folks might view things from a different perspective or a different viewpoint and and my talk that I gave at the SMCC really hinged around that and especially in the Q&A dis- discussion you know and I was very honest, you know, there are many things in my life, my parents' view of, of me being gay, that have improved slightly, but haven't improved so much to the point where I 100% believe that they're totally accepting of me being gay. That is not the case. You know, I think where we are is like, we're okay talking about it. And we're on okay terms. But that was a better situation then back when we what i always call the cold war of no one like both me and and my parents just didn't want to talk about it at all and so with that lack of patience for dialogue and progress that happens over time and and comes a, a lack of appreciation for incremental change and, you know, a lot of people talk, excuse me, French, talk shit about incremental change. And I think they're missing a, a huge point where, you know, a, if you look at history, a lot of the major movements and achievements and summits of, of change and progress you know, we, we hyper-focus and we romanticize those peaks in history, those summits in history, those those times where we've seen, you know, hearts and fists held high and flags planted and 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 and, and, and something momentous has happened, you know, the Civil Rights Act or women's rights in the nineteen twenties, women's suffrage, or or the end of slavery in, in at the end of the Civil War, the proclamation or the 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 revolution. Like we we romanticize those glory moments in history. But we forget the darkness and the shadow in which the shadows of those glory moments, of those peaks, of those mountaintops the shadows in which many have toiled and toiled and worked and poured their blood, sweat, and tears into that movement, moving it inch by inch, slowly, painstakingly, over time, over years, oftentimes over decades, to get to that point where people can see, you know, the clouds part and, and that peak exposed and making it to that mountaintop. And, and, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, February 
you know, there was, it was Black History Month then, and in January there was the MLK Day. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King, I remember in the speeches that I've heard over and over, you know, he talks about how he, he sees the mountaintop and the promised land. And he, he says, I might not get there, but he, see, he saw a future where, you know, kids of all colors and races and backgrounds could be together. And I'm paraphrasing there, but I think people forget about the visionaries like that who perish and and who he was assassinated before he saw that come into fruition but i think in in we forget about the shadows of mountains the shadows of peaks and those glory moments in history because we'd rather dwell in the comfort of those moments in the inspiration of those moments rather than looking at the shadows in which many great people toiled, suffered, and worked and poured their blood, sweat, and tears into pushing that issue or that policy or that thing they thing cause they cared about up that mountain slowly and painstakingly. And that's what I were, uh, you know, I worry about today in in our dialogue about change and progress is we we're very good at seeing the end result or the 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 ultimate goal or the the achievement or the policy change, but what we lack is the ability to picture and to see the kind of work needed to advance to that end goal by using just means, by using means that are not in and of themselves detrimental to democracy, to community building, coalition building. And that's why I talk so much about you know, you gotta show yourself some empathy. You gotta be forgiving to yourself. You gotta allow yourself to change. Because if you don't do that, how the hell are you gonna expect anyone else to change? How the hell are you gonna expect to convince someone who's on the complete opposite of the aisle from you to change? If the way you are presenting is that you are right and 100% true and and you approach them in in that high horse shall i say but instead of doing that what we can do is say you know i am human this is what i believe these are my values Here's why. This is my story. This is my lived experience. Poverty, through racism, through discrimination, through housing insecurity, through food insecurity, through homelessness, whatever it may be. Claiming your story 
your lived experience. And channeling that into this is why I believe what I believe. These are my values, my experiences. Now share with me, why do you believe what you believe? I know what you believe, but tell me your story. Tell me your lived experiences. How did you grow up? What did you grow up eating? What did you grow up, what kind of neighborhood did you live in and grow up in? And through that, through stories, learning why we approach issues the way that we do. And from there, it's not necessarily about finding common ground. It's about sharing space, sharing democracy, and listening to understand it and not necessarily to respond. And I think something magical happens in those moments where then it becomes less about I'm right, you're wrong. And it becomes about, okay, we've heard each other out, we've heard each other's stories, where we're coming from, how we view things. And, and why we have these values and belief systems. And that is really tough work. And that takes time. And I think that's what get, gets us from getting to that point is we don't think we have enough time. We don't want to spend the time it takes to tell each other's stories, to steep in each other's stories, to listen, to understand. And so, you know, that's what I've been thinking about this week since my book talk. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm sorry that I haven't been in, you know, updating this podcast as regularly, but, you know, I think that hopefully this will be the start of getting back into the groove. So thanks again for tuning in and, and hanging in there. Talk to you soon. <laughs>